and welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, the first of 2024, we're going to look at the importance of discipline in our lives, including in our relationships and daily habits, and we're going to discuss how you can design a life that aligns with your dreams and values and leads to a lifestyle that brings freedom, and we have a wonderful guest to break it all down. Kevin Tinter is a husband, entrepreneur, podcaster, stay-at-home dad, and co-founder and CFO of Beck and Kev LLC, a lifestyle brand he created with his wife, Becca. He's also the author of the recent book, The Seven Disciplines of Uncommon Freedom, and is a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. Kevin is not only passionate about defending our freedoms, but is driven to help others achieve freedom in their own lives. Kevin, it is a pleasure to have you on She Thinks, especially as we ring in the new year. Well, hey, Beverly, it's great to be here. Happy New Year to you and your audience. And just to get things uh, started on the right foot. I, your podcast is a podcast by women for women. To be clear, I am not a woman. So uh, <laughs> just want to make sure your guests understand that. <laughs> we understand that we have lots of men on our podcast, and I know even some men listen to it. So um, it yes. is designed for women, but I know a lot of what you teach apply to everyone. And I know that you also created your business with the help of your wife, Becca. So you do this in partnership with women, and we appreciate that. And I would like to just start right there and talk a little bit about your background. I know you and your wife work very closely together. I mentioned your in your bio that you're a stay-at-home dad. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go from serving in the Marine Corps, thank you for your service, by the way, to talking about a, a freedom lifestyle? So where did this all begin? Well, thanks, Beverly. Uh, so I was raised in, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, as I share in my book, I was I now realize looking back that God put this desire, just kind of this in my DNA is is two key things. One is to defend and the other is to build. Uh, it's very difficult to find a picture of me as a three, four, five-year-old kid or even older than that without my toy six-shooter and a toy hammer. And ironically, I earned money during my high school and college days building homes and doing construction and then went into the Marine Corps and then law enforcement and carried a gun for uh, about 11 years total. But that background uh, didn't come with a tremendous amount of discipline. Obviously, you, I had to have some to get into the Marine Corps and make it through uh, officer candidate school. But I got married. I met my wife uh, right after we graduated from high school. She is very disciplined. Uh, she was a junior college athlete, a straight A student. Uh, someone that I have a tremendous amount of respect to. And so this is something that I'm, I've got three boys and a girl. My boys are 16, 15, and 13. And honestly, one of the best decisions I made was marrying my wife young. Uh, we, we met, we were about 18, 19. When we met, uh, we went on our first date. I would think it was still 19. And then we were married at the ripe old age of 21. And that was awesome. And marrying the right woman, finding someone who's hardworking and disciplined, honestly, has been one of the keys to my success in life. But this is kind of the cool thing, is that my wife, she was very supportive when we got married. Um, her dad was in law enforcement and had also been in the Marine Corps. So she was very supportive, knowing that I wanted to do both of those things. But she followed me around. She really put her hopes and dreams and desires kind of on the back burner and put all of her eggs in my basket. And then in 2011, after we had our third son, 
she decided to get healthy and then she lost uh, 25 pounds and then 35 pounds uh, on the program that we now coach people with and started paying it forward. And I caught a vision and then I, there's a story that Gary Thomas shares in a book and I, I talk about it in my book. And he talks about uh, there's a, uh, a, a ballet critic called George Balanchine, I think is his name. I am not into ballet. But when I heard the story, it really resonated with me because it really captures the essence of my success. My wife, everything, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom when we had kids. Uh, we spent three years in Okinawa, Japan. She followed me around the world. Uh, life is tough being the spouse of a Marine and the spouse of a police officer. There's some significant sacrifices that have to be made. Uh, but when my wife started our coaching practice, I got to see her blossom. She loved fitness. She loved education. And uh, she wasn't able to combine those until she found uh, our coaching program. And then when I jumped on board with her, stopped working overtime and really started to support her, like George Balanchine talks, ballet is women. And I think, um, you know, he says that, you know, it's been a success when the male ballerina, I don't even know if that's what they actually call him. But at the end, and I have seen the Nutcracker, he lifts up the female star, lifts her up, kind of launches her into the air and then steps back into the shadows. And I'm not saying that men need to live in the shadows. But what I realized is I was kind of living in the limelight for the first, uh, gosh, 13 years of our marriage. And then when I made that pivot and really started to let my wife shine in her gifts, that's when I started to really enjoy the life of freedom that we now have. And so that's just kind of off topic. Sure. But as we're starting the year, um, my wife is the reason I would not have gotten healthy. I went, I went on to lose 45 pounds myself. If my wife hadn't led the way in that, I know I would have never done it. And so I'm so grateful to have found an incredible woman who had the humility to support me in the early years um, and allow me to come along when I was ready but who also just had that Proverbs 31 spirit of wanting to do more. Um, you know, she's an amazing mom and I'm, I'm all about mothers being in the home. But, I, you know, when you read Proverbs 31, there's a lot for women to do. And my wife broke out of that just stay at home mom shell and really started to shine. And when I got behind her, that's when my life turned around like almost a 180 for the better. And I know it's different for everybody as far as whether or not they're married or not married. And even if they are married, people go through different stages. What would you say that that mentality is? You talked about letting her shine, but what was what is the freedom even for maybe single people within this or people who are married but have situations where both people have to work and, and it's just the situation for them? Is there a mentality or a method or a lesson that you take from that that really can apply across? the board. Yeah. When my wife and I were first married at the age of 21, we were both attending school and we were both working uh, either part-time or full-time while we were attending college, finishing up our degrees. And, and so we've been the, the dual income, no kids, although at a very poor level, uh, we started our marriage in poverty, but we, we are just on the same page and we were supporting each other's goals. Uh, we never had separate bank accounts, 
we did have a separate below account. That was money that we could spend on whatever we wanted. Uh, we got married in 1998 and our first tax return, joint tax return was I think around $12,000. I still have a copy of that. So just imagine living on about $1,000 a month after tax. Uh, that's not a lot. So we had $25 a month each that we could spend on whatever we wanted. Um, but that was the only separation between what was his and you know, what was mine and what was my wife's. And so I think just that that concept of unity and being on the same page and uh, having some shared aspirations and shared goals uh, is really important. You know, for those who are single, honestly, I don't have a lot of advice for them because I got married so young. Uh, you know, I really barely had any single time. I never left my parents' house until I got married. So the best advice that I can give single people is to find a really good spouse. I'm encouraging my boys to get married young. And I think that there's a huge advantage. I've seen some research out there that actually says that the lowest divorce rate, and this shocked me, was for those who get married. It's something like between 20 and 23. I would have thought that they were actually more at risk for divorce. And I think anyone can be successful regardless of when they get married. Uh, but it's just something for people to consider. Sure. And and I want to pick up on something that you said about your wife. There was a pivotal moment for her where she realized she wanted to get healthy or lose weight, or I forget exactly how you phrased it. I want to focus on the health aspect because you do talk about in your book, the importance of creating successful habits when it comes to your health and your mindset. What was that turning point for her and what changes did she make that you also think, or you coach other people to make? Yeah. So my wife has always been health focused, much more healthy than I was. Uh, I've got a, a, cur a generational curse of a sweet tooth. Mm -hmm. And my wife, as a junior college athlete and someone who really enjoyed working out, when we had our first two kids and prior to then, she'd always been able to stay healthy uh, just by exercising. And it's kind of the mentality that most Americans have. And obviously, when we had our third, we were in our 30s. And we know that the metabolism starts to slow down. So what you did in your 20s is not necessarily going to work in your 30s. So you fast forward to uh, 2011, we're 34 years old, or 2010, we're 33 years old. And now she's got three kids under four. So the old way of doing things of I'm going to, you know, push two kids in a double jogging stroller and burn off the, the, the pregnancy fat didn't work anymore. It's like we didn't have a triple jogging stroller and it's very difficult to do. Life was different. So she had to change things up. And I think, you know, the first thing for us is, you know, it's that, you know, is it Einstein or Reagan or both of them? But, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So, you know, here we are in January. Many of us have made a, some type of health related New Year's resolution year after year. If you're making something similar this year that you made the year before and maybe even the year before that, it's time to realize you need to do something different or you're probably going to end up with the same results this year. And for us, one of the key things is having a coach. Uh, that someone that has gone before you, that can guide you, can help hold you accountable. Uh, I, I tell people all the time that anytime I want to improve in any area of my life, I hire someone to help hold me accountable. It could look like a personal trainer. It could look like a financial advisor. Uh, I've hired home decorators or not home de decorators, home organizers numerous times to help me clean up my, my chaotic office. When I want to improve, I hire someone to help me. 
And so that's really important. And when it comes to physical health, uh, I, I really just encourage people to not underestimate the value. Because when you think about it, the only thing in the world that I can think of that being healthy does not improve your success in is being a sumo wrestler. Every other you know, uh, thing that you would pursue in life is going to be enhanced. You're going to be able to have a bigger impact and reach a greater potential if you are healthy. So go beyond just New Year's resolutions and wanting to lose weight, but really think about, okay, uh, man, if I am healthy, I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to have more engagement. I'm going to have more, uh, you know, less pain or no pain getting up and, uh, you know, up and down from the floor if you've got grandkids or if you have kids. Uh, being able to be active and present with your kids, especially as a dad, something that's, that's something that I'm really passionate about. And, and just being able to be healthy and live life to its fullest, uh, but not just for, you know, selfish enjoyment, but like I, I say, you know, to reach your potential and maximize your impact. And so I, I like the idea of a coach. Part of this is also, though, a mindset that's wanting to do it. You could say all day long, uh, I'm just going to hire somebody and have them help me. But you have to have the mindset of wanting to make those changes as well. A coach can help you do that. But what type of mindset does somebody need to have to really put in what they need to put in to get to their goal? I personally call that an upstream mindset. So in the second chapter of my book, I talk about what I call the trinity of uncommon freedom. And I don't mean to be sacrilegious with that. But the first of the trinity is always row upstream. And if people can just visualize real quick a boat that is going upstream, the current, which is society, it's what's, what's easy, is going downstream. And if you think about it, most of the world, most of society is going downstream. They're doing the easy things. They're sitting in the recliner after they get home from work. They're, you know, digging into a bag of chips or a bowl of ice cream. Uh, they're eating junk food, fast food on a regular basis. They're not being active. They're not investing into their kids. Maybe they're letting screens raise their children and they're not investing into their marriage if they're married. So the mindset that is important is realizing that everything that is great, everything that you truly want is upstream. And if you want something that's upstream, you have to understand it's going to take effort. And the only way that you can get away with not having to put effort in all the time is to have other people in your boat that will row when you need a break. And so that's the other part of the analogy that I use. If you just imagine that you're in a boat going upstream, it's impossible to be on 24-7. You know, this 2023 was a very challenging year for my wife and I with some parenting and family issues we had to deal with. Uh, we could not be on all the time. But fortunately, we've surrounded us ourselves with a community, uh, not to mention each other, but we're both going upstream. But we have an amazing community that is willing to hop in our boat for us so that when we're exhausted and we just need to take a break because we've been contending and fighting, uh, not with each other, but fighting for our kids and some of the challenges that they're facing. Uh, we have people that are on our side and they're going our direction instead of most of society is saying, hey, stop trying so hard, right? You're, you're too skinny. Uh, you work out too much. You eat too healthy. And they're trying to get you to go downstream with them. And I think what you're bringing up there is the the importance of community. And this is where... 
I think there is so much fear about screen time and how much people are isolated because they use, they build relationships or so-called building relationships through social media, through things like TikTok, um, but don't actually interact with people in person on a daily basis. Do you think the health of society, both physically and mentally, does coincide with how people use technology, even though I think technology is a wonderful thing? Absolutely. And I'm by no means an expert, but I do listen to quite a few podcasts and read a lot of books. And as a father of kids ranging from six to 16, uh, I understand how screens can be a great babysitter, but they're not a healthy babysitter. And, uh, you know, the reality is there is so much garbage out there that is seeking out our children you know, the stats on when kids are first exposed to pornography are alarming. And we've experienced it with, I think, all three of our boys. And fortunately, we have the open dialogue to be able to address it. Um, but even if you have controls and screen time things set up to try and keep it out, it will find its way in. And the ability to have a conversation, to look people into the eye, uh, you know, for my boys to have a strong a uh, firm handshake with people that they meet uh, and when they have conversations is so important. So, uh, you know, once again, the downstream thing is going towards screen time. The upstream behavior is setting the screens aside, having conversations and engaging in meaningful conversation. I want to ask about this, the, the upstream nature of this. So obviously, as you were saying, it takes effort. It's hard work. There is a mentality of try not to change too many things all at once. Just do what's feasible because you'll get burned out too soon. And then there's just completely change your life and go for it. Where are you on that with people building new habits and not getting burned out in the meantime? Yeah, that is a trick question. Or maybe it's not a trick question. It's, it's a tricky question to answer. I think that, especially when it comes to physical health, the big mistake that we tend to make is we do go from zero to 60 overnight and it isn't sustainable. So we like the concept of habit stacking and micro habits, making small changes that over time will have what we call a compound effect for the better for you. And sometimes you just need to shake things up, right? Maybe you're dealing with some type of addiction uh, where you just need to kick that habit and there is no middle ground. But as a general rule, I think that if you can habit stack and add, find daily little habits that you can implement and then I'll implement those over a long term. Like, for example, if someone were to say, I'm never going to have refined sugar again, that's not realistic. Now, we would all be better off if we didn't, but to say, I am never again going to have junk food, refined sugar, ice cream, whatever it is, it's not realistic. But if you can cut back or find a program that will help you make a change and you start to eat healthier and you start to replace the negative with the positive, that's another really good thing to do is to say, okay, this is a negative habit I have. How can I make a tweak and adjustment uh, that will actually satisfy some of the um, the, the routine that goes with that. But instead of it being a downstream habit, it's actually an upstream habit. And the other thing for the reason I love the analogy of going upstream is if you've ever gotten into 
uh, any type of boat where you, especially you've had to row, initially you don't, you're rowing, but you don't feel the effects of it. And many times that's the case with any type of habit you want to change, whether it's your marriage, financially, you know, if you're trying to get out of debt um, or your health, right? You're putting in a lot of effort, but you don't see it. And the big mistake that we tend to make is we quit before we really see that momentum kick in. And so that's where the community is so important. That's where a coach is so important because that coach is going to say, listen, I can see around the corner. You haven't been down there yet, but I've been down there many times. If you just keep going, you're going to get there. You're going to have that breakthrough. Something that I've heard from friends, especially female friends who are married, working full time, have kids, is they say, I have nothing left for myself. So they spend all this time working. They're very disciplined people. But when it comes to the working out and eating, they struggle to be disciplined with themselves. Have you seen that in coaching? And have you seen anything that you uh, whether say or plan for them to help them move past that? Absolutely. Uh, I've experienced that myself. And my wife definitely was someone who kind of lived in that tension. And until she finally got fed up, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired and made the decision, I want to get healthy. I'm going to take care of myself. And this analogy gets used frequently, but I think it gets used frequently because it's so effective, right? When you're on an airplane, uh, when they're doing the safety brief, they say, if you're traveling with children, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your child. And so many parents with the best of intentions live their life putting the oxygen mask on their children, maybe their spouse or other people, and they're completely neglecting themselves. And this is where I go back to remember, there is nothing that you do that is not enhanced by you being healthier. I can tell people, you know, my wife is a better wife and mom because she is healthy. I am a better husband and father because I'm healthy. Uh, I like to, you know, occasionally do mission trips uh, with my kids. I'm more effective because I have more energy because I'm healthy. So regardless of what anyone wants to do, being healthy and ensuring that you have essential self-care is important. Now, there's a huge difference. I'm not saying that you need to spend, uh, you know, three hours every day at the local spa and, you know, get a massage every day, but I'm talking about, you know, healthy nutrition, healthy hydration. Are you drinking enough clean, healthy water? And are you getting some type of activity that is going to help you maintain or build muscle, get that blood flowing and get those healthy hormones released and those unhealthy hormones processed out of your body? And I want to touch on what you just said there, getting unhealthy hormones out of your body. How does working out help with that eating? Well, we, we often think about it just purely in the sense of, I want to have energy and I want to look good. But what are these other benefits that we don't even realize we're putting off the table by not focusing on our health? Well, I'm not going to try and give a scientific example sure. or explanation <laughs> of this because that's not my area of expertise. But I can tell you that there are so many positive benefits as far as what happens when you exercise, um, both strength training and some type of cardiovascular exercise is important. Um, I prefer myself strength training and my wife tends to prefer cardio stuff, but both are good. So that balance is really important. And then the other factor is understanding that uh, cortisol is the stress hormone. That is primarily processed. I like to use the word digested. That's not necessarily exactly what's happening but that is basically processed while we sleep. 
And so this is a conversation that I'm having with my kids as well as, I mean, all adults need to understand this, is that screen time affects our sleep and caffeine affects our sleep. So it's really important for us uh, to cut caffeine consumption off early in the afternoon at the latest. Even if you're the type of person who tells me I can drink a two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper or Mountain Dew right before I go to bed and it doesn't affect my sleep, the reality is that at a, uh, at a cellular level, it is affecting your sleep and it is decreasing the effectiveness of your sleep. And sleep is when our body heals itself, it's when it repairs the muscle tissue that gets damaged during exercise, and it is when we process cortisol. So we're living in a sleep-deprived society, right? How many people brag about, oh, I get by on four hours of sleep, and we're on screens until the second, you know, many people are setting their phone down as soon as, you know, when they're ready to go to bed, or they're turning the TV off when they're ready to go to bed. Uh, you know, what I've learned is that that blue light affects you for about two hours, and so you're losing two hours of quality sleep merely by being on screens until we go to sleep. And how many kids have TVs in the room? They have computers in the room. They have gaming systems, uh, phones, things like that. And so we're really raising a, a generation of kids that are almost being zombified because we're not leading them properly and teaching them the healthy sleep habits that are essential. But if you don't process cortisol, that's going to cause your body to retain fat. And then the, uh, the more body fat you retain, the poor the quality of sleep is going to be. So it becomes this vicious cycle where, you know, the chicken or egg, I don't know which came first. But if you don't get quality sleep, you're going to gain weight. If you gain weight, your quality of sleep is going to uh, go down. So it's important to really interrupt that vicious cycle uh, with something and, and get on the right track. Final question for you before um, we say goodbye. I know that a lot of people, when they're first starting with their New Year's uh, resolutions, whether it's working out, eating well, a combination of both, it's pretty hard to start out with. Now, we often hear from people that eventually somebody who works out a lot, they end up loving working out. What type of encouragement could you give people who are trying some new things? And it's pretty hard right now. It's, there's a lot of drudgery involved. When can they potentially start enjoying what they're doing? Well, it sure depends on the person, number one. And I think number two, a lot's going to depend on finding the right program to help you. Uh, I've worked with some clients that have done ultra low calorie diets and they were miserable. And essentially, they kind of starve their body of nutrition. And other than the first few pounds that they lose due to water weight in the first couple of days, they really don't lose weight. And so you can actually lose more weight by finding the right balance of macronutrients. Um, and so finding the right program is really important. Uh, being a part of a community that's going to encourage you. The, the important thing for all of us to understand is that our willpower is like a battery. And if you rely exclusively on willpower, it will fail you 100% of the time. And the other thing to understand is that the most willpower we'll have is first thing in the morning. And you're going to have more willpower if you charge that battery with a good night's sleep. So there's all these interconnected micro habits that either tear you down or they build you up. And so getting a good night of sleep is going to fuel your willpower, but understanding that if you're relying exclusively on that, eventually you're going to fail. So this is where the combination of a coach community is really important. And then, uh, and then getting to the point where you're focused on what you want to create 
versus what you're running away from. Mm -hmm. So the, the other, when, when you're rowing upstream, you can do two things. You can either have this mindset of um, obesity, divorce, bankruptcy, and chaos are downstream. I'm rowing away from that. Or you can say financial abundance, generous giving, a thriving marriage, uh, healthy children, and the ability to serve and do things that I want and contribute to my community is upstream. The motivation to go upstream when you're going towards something is drastically different than when you're just running away from something. So having a mindset, you know, vision boards or writing out your future self, like uh, I am, this is what the healthy habits will help me become. And, and visualizing that, uh, that, that type of concept is, makes a big difference. Such a huge difference. Such good tips today. And that's why I want to encourage people to go out there and get the seven disciplines of uncommon freedom. Kevin Tinter, thank you so much for joining us. And good luck to you with all your New Year's resolutions that you may have yourself. Thanks so much, Beverly. I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. And Thank you all for joining us. Before you go, IWF does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. And investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting IWF.org backslash donate. That is IWF.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or, re or a review. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode so that all your friends know where they can find more she thinks. From all of us here at IWF, thanks for watching.